uh, sorry, the Taiwan government uh, announced that, you know, we already have about 16 different channels for people from Hong Kong to live in Taiwan, whether it's uh, through a study visa or, or marriage to a Taiwan national, sure, sure. Uh, economic migration. Uh, but it seems that, uh, I, I would say more for political purpose than any other reason, uh, so the, the government's supposed to announce yet another program today for Hong Kong people. It's supposed to involve some assistance for relocation, uh, wow. counseling. So for those who need counseling, uh, have post-traumatic yep. stress disorder from participating in protests. Yeah. The Taiwan government will provide that as well. That's, uh, some, so, that's something uh, else. Again, though, yeah. It seems geared at people who are in the protests. Gotcha. Okay, well, thanks a lot, Ross. Uh, once again, that's Ross Feinkold, Taipei-based political risk consultant. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Quick look at the markets as we head out. Uh, they're all down. The Australian stock exchange, uh, Kospi and Korea, the Nikkei are down, down, and down. I'm Andrew Work, and thanks for listening. Before we go today, we'll just leave you with the weather. It's looking good. 29 degrees right now, mainly fine and hot, apart from isolated showers in the morning to cool things off. It's 8.31. We're going to Samantha Butler with the half-hour news. President Trump has announced he'll hold his first re-election campaign rally for several months in Tulsa, Oklahoma on the 19th of June. The date, known as Juneteenth, is an annual commemoration of the end of slavery, celebrated by African Americans. In 1921, Tulsa was the site of one of the worst massacres of black people in U.S. history. Mr. Trump made the announcement at the White House. We're going to be starting our rallies. The first one we believe will be probably, we're just starting to call up, uh, will be in Oklahoma, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. A beautiful new venue, brand new, and they're looking forward to it. They've done a great job with COVID, as you know, in the state of Oklahoma. Uh, we're going to be coming into Florida, do a big one in Florida, a big one in Texas. Uh, they're all going to be big. We're going to Arizona. President Trump has rejected a proposal to change the designation of 10 army bases named after officers who fought for the pro-slavery Confederacy during the American Civil War. Mr. Trump said the bases had become part of America's heritage. The White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany was asked about the issue at a news briefing. Fort Bragg is known for the heroes that trained there, that deployed from there, and it's an insult to say to the men and women who left there, the last thing they saw on American soil before going overseas, and in some cases losing their lives, to tell them that what they left was inherently a racist institution because of a name. That's unacceptable to the president, and rightfully so. One of Britain's leading epidemiologists says he believes if the country had entered lockdown a week earlier than it did, it would have reduced the number of coronavirus-related deaths by at least half. Neil Ferguson, who was a member of Britain's scientific advisory group until May, made the remarks to a parliamentary committee. More than 41,000 people confirmed to have had coronavirus have died in Britain. The Prime Minister Boris Johnson rejected Professor Ferguson's assertion. We made the decisions at the time on the guidance of SAGE, including uh, Professor Ferguson, that we thought were right for this, uh, for this country. And I think that the, um, you know, the questions uh, that are posed are still unanswered. And there's a lot of data that we still, uh, frankly, do not have. You're listening to the news on RTHK.
Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Chewett and your co-host today is Anna Fenton. Anna, good morning to you. Good morning, everybody. We're talking today about HSBC, private companies and the national security law. Top shareholder of HSBC, Aviva Investors, has issued a statement expressing their concern over the bank's position on the national security legislation while the details of the legislation were still unknown. This comes a week after HSBC's WeChat account showed a picture of the chief executive Peter Wong signing a petition supporting the new national security law. Former Chief Executive C.Y. Lung had earlier criticised the bank for not expressing its position on the legislation and suggesting bank account holders boycott the company. Now, US Secretary of State Michael Pompeo has accused HSBC of assisting the Chinese Communist Party's coercive bully tactics against the UK. Where does this leave you, HSBC, and other private companies? Should international businesses here brace for increased political risks? Are there lessons from what happened to Cathay Management? Is this bullying or just fostering a sense of national responsibility? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Bankchat and RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, bankchat at rthk.hk, or you can give us a call on 233-88266. That's 233-88266. Give us a call. We'll put you on air, and uh, everyone can hear what you have to say, and you can engage with our guests as well, who are in this first part of the programme. Peter Guy, a South China Morning Post financial columnist and editor of Regulation Asia, and Mark Michelson, chair. Chairman Asia CEO Forum at IMA Asia and uh, uh, Calvin Lam, uh, former economist, will be joining us and district councillor will be joining us after the news at nine. Once again, our number is 233-88266 if you want to comment. Um, A few emails... Uh, we've had, which uh, uh, I'll just say uh, again, uh, they maybe I can't read all the emails and they may be edited for length and relevance. Uh, Larry says, CNN reported that Mike Pompeo's deafening silence angers diplomats as protests over racial injustice spread globally. Uh, it's not a good sign that the Secretary for State seems to consider his loyalty to Trump is more important than his 75,000 strong workforce who need leadership at this difficult time for America as a nation. We're not supposed to run a North Korea-style dictatorship it's supposed to be a functioning democracy. People should be able to discuss these difficult but important social issues that concern us all and our government should learn from its mistakes. Silence and censorship would not bode well, says Larry, talking there about the United States. Peter says uh, in an email, HSBC has to make a choice. Last year, the CEO John Flint remarked it's clear there is quote, it's clear there is a broader desire to see China contained in some way. The concerns are less over the proposed national security laws for Hong Kong, as every other Western country has similar security laws. For example, the US has its secret FISA courts and its Patriot Act can be applied retroactively to anyone without time limit. Most likely the US and its Western allies were already using its laws and influence to coerce and enlist HSBC into its China containment strategy. For instance, two recent issues come to mind. HSBC apparently willing handed over documents to the US DOJ which played a key role in the case against Huawei's chief financial officer Uh, the Spark Alliance Hong Kong fund which was used to support the protesters ran through HSBC until four persons were arrested for suspicion on money laundering that's uh, some thoughts from Peter and finally from Matthew who says it's not unusual for economic power to be used when people or countries who have it want to get their own way however the aggressive heavy handed way the CCP have executed their red 
economy strategy in China, Hong Kong and around the world is actually bullying. But as we all know, whether in the schoolyard or geopolitics, those who resort to blatant bullying are always weak and insecure. This is certainly the case with the CCP. Their mandate to rule on the mainland retires entirely on economic strength. However, with no competition in thought or checks and balances in their system, the economy has been abused as a political tool and become a debt-fueled Ponzi scheme. A key reason we see the CCP now acting so bombastically and Western democracy is finally starting to stand up to them is that everyone is realising China's economy is no longer what it appeared to be. Uh, companies like HSBC and Cathay are obviously in a difficult position, but they would be wise to observe the situation carefully, choose their words wisely and get the timing right in order not to further destroy their reputations and credibility beyond repair. Backchat.rthk.hk is our email address. Peter Guy, good morning to you. Hello. Good morning. Hi, thanks for joining us once again. What do you make of this mess? So this HSBC caught between Pompeo and CY Lung? They're caught in a, in a very difficult place. It's uh, from a corporate social responsibility and compliance point of view and management. It's, uh, it's a catastrophe because it is a regulated institution. Uh, they and Standard Chartered, and it's uh, very unusual for them to uh, to endorse endorse national security acts uh, in any country uh, however uh, however they're going to have to muddle their way their way uh, through this why don't they just relocate to hong kong well the bigger problem anna is um, hsbc and standard chartered are the last of uh, your historical transnational banks that is um, they're uh, they don't belong to a particular country just like uh, the Chinese or American banks do. They're uh, headquartered in, uh, in London, regulated in the UK, but also regulated in Hong Kong with most of their business here. Standard Chartered was started in India, I believe, and, and now is regulated uh, and located in different places. So the problem is, is who do you belong to? Who is your not only regulate, your final regulator, but also your lender of last resort? So it presents a, it presents a, a very large uh, problem in terms of uh, financial regulation, in terms of in terms of management. To answer your question, why they don't relocate back to here? Well, then they have the what they call the rest of the world business, uh, which um, which uh, uh, then becomes irrelevant. What you do is you suggest maybe the bank should should be uh, um, broken up into two pieces: rest of the world and. Hong Kong and, and China, because it is primarily a, a bank who's based, whose business is based out here. Well, surely City's going to face the same problem. They're an American bank trying to have a leg here and a leg in the States. Yes, they'll face a less of a problem because their business in China is potential business, but uh, most of its business is, is in the States. Uh, you notice they have not been asked to take the loyalty pledge. The big problem with this pledge isn't national security per se. Every country has a national security act, as as as, it, as you guys just pointed out. <clears throat> it's just that uh, HSBC and Standard Chartered were basically asked to sign a blank check. No one has actually read the contents or a draft of this act. But to ask a regulated institution... Uh, a systemically important financial institution, a major global bank, to commit to something like that without, without having seen the draft is uh, just the same as you going to HSBC asking them to lend you an unlimited amount of money on, on uh, any terms that you may come up with. It's uh, from an internal regulatory point of view, from a management point of view, 
a very, very, uh, a very, very high risk, hazardous uh, kind of commitment. Uh, am I right? I think Swai had already signed it, and other kind of local Hongs and so on. Has everyone kind of fallen in line? It appears so, but uh, when you specifically ask about uh, HSBC, and uh, you'd have to include Standard Chartered. The issue is that they're a bank. They're globally regulated. It's uh, not a local family-owned business. Yeah. Um, um, if you were the CEO, what would you do? The uh, the the issue is the issue is uh, real politic. I guess they would. Ha- that's the that is the uh, ultimate explanation for it. And um, you would have to. Uh, the only other recourse is for the CEO and chairman to resign after making this decision, which they believe is in the best interests of the bank, but however goes against uh, the spirit and letter of uh, corporate social responsibility, uh, um, accountability to shareholders, and a whole raft of uh, shareholder uh, relation interests that uh, that are now tied up in this. If they hadn't signed it, then they would have. China would have done something. You think? Well, they they would face. They would face uh, similar sanctions that the Americans impose on, on banks for uh, not obeying U.S. policy. So yes, they would, they would probably face uh, face sanctions. Uh, uh, so there's a comparable situation you're saying in the U.S. then that they require uh, some kind of comparable commitment. Do they? No, but uh, they do have specific laws. With the Huawei incident, they they are uh, they are charging her with fraud and seeking extradition from Vancouver. So no, it's it's uh, it's not a similar situation. However, you have to understand uh, with uh, with countries, countries aren't persons; they aren't companies, and uh, they're governments. Governments aren't people, and governments actually, having worked worked in that function before, have to be amoral. Their primary interest is national security because without national security you have nothing you don't have an economy you don't have human rights you don't have uh you don't have any umbrella in which to uh run your domestic economy and society so china's exercising it and uh we may not like it but that's not a that is not as much of an issue as that um countries don't bully i mean there's always this uh concept you talk about governments bullying they don't bully they exercise their national interest and what china believes here with hong kong is that a national security law is in the interest of the country and the city especially after 23 years of being unable to implement one by itself i I guess it's bullying in the sense that you know there's kind of general agreement that there are limits on on government power when it comes to the operation of the, of the market uh, and this would be this would overstep that line yeah that and that's a and that's a very that's a very blurry line that mm. moves moves according to national interest whether you're that's that line is trade economics uh, military um, foreign policy so in in this case I would have imagined it would have been easier to Easier to sell to HSBC shareholders, uh, corp uh, in- investors, if this was done after the contents of the national security law were revealed, because at right right now it's it's impossible to intelligently comment on it when a draft has not been uh, 
been released yet. And I think that's what the Aviva statement said, wasn't it? That's what they were saying was that it was, as you say, a blank check. That's right, a blank check, which a corporate, which is a person, uh, which in in this era uh, has to act with social responsibility. We all talk about it, but now it's come to roost. You have a a, a real CSR decision to make, and um, it involves uh, it involves the profitability and the very life of the company. So. It's uh, it's 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 ended up as as uh, one of certainly one of the toughest uh, corporate social responsibility decisions to land on a on a desk of a CEO and chairman in a, in in a long time. So, if HSBC was domiciled in Hong Kong, would there be uh, the same problem? If it was domiciled in Hong Kong, I still see you would have the same problem because it's an international bank. It's not. It's business. It does business in U.S. dollars to be, to, to get to the point, which is a highly regulated currency. It does business in a number of currencies, mm. uh, the euro and the pound, which are which are highly regulated. So, uh, an organization of that size, it's not a local family-owned bank. It's uh, it has it has uh, um, extensive obligations overseas and operations. So, so. So just hiding behind being locally domiciled uh, won't solve the problem. Mm. But banks have a long history of, of not occupying the moral high ground, have they, and doing whatever is expedient. I mean, you've only to look back to Barclays' activities in South Africa. I mean, they carried on right through the apartheid era, uh, while at the same time marketing to students in the UK very successfully. I don't know why we have such high moral expectations of banks when they've never felt troubled by them before. Mm. Well, it's not as much a, a moral expectation. As I said, uh, if you were to apply such a high standard, I doubt if you could do business with anybody. Exactly. Right? Oil companies, oil companies would be out of business. Exactly. I, I, could, I could name Google would be out of business, right? So, so we, so it's it's a it's a shifting landscape of of moral dilemmas who you have to do who you have to do business with uh, in order to in order to conduct uh, an economy <laughs> you know the whole the whole regulatory morass because i do cover financial regulation really with hsbc originated when it decided to move its headquarters to london but it had to move its headquarters there because they acquired midland and uh, the uk government said we'll only let this acquisition go through if you're if you allow if you domicile here and and allow yourself to be regulated uh, by uh, by the UK, but that was 1993. Much water has gone under the bridge. Surely now they could. This would be a very good time to say, "Oops, let's go back to Hong Kong." Could be because from a, if you look at it from a corporate finance point of view, the the issue is what does the bank uh, transform into at this point? Well, also there's the issue of the um, of the um, uh, the dividend not being paid at the last minute. Again, another because of the British regulators. That's right, because of the British regulators, and a lot of your Hong Kong shareholders uh, are, are have com have complained to me and and uh, and have said, "What um, what does that have to do with us?" Okay. Also with us is, is Mark Michelson. Mark, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks so much indeed for for joining us. Uh, what do you make of this? Is this a taste of things to come? Well, first of all, I don't think it's really. CSR, I think it's CPR. It's corporate political responsibility. It's more that than 
that social and, and economic, I under, understand it. It could be. And, and, you know, a lot of this is perception, too. As was mentioned, we don't know the details yet, and we don't know how, once we know the details, how it's going to be applied. But people are nervous, and the people that are nervous are often the people that that are customers of some of these institutions, that work for these institutions, that work for the companies with which I'm involved. And those, those you know, more signals that are sent, the more people get get uneasy. You know, you can understand why they do, and maybe this will all settle down in a few months. We all we hope it does, but this just adds another 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 uh, another uh, addition of worry to everyone. Yeah, I mean, do you think? Do you think? I mean, this pattern is likely to continue. I say, I think, I think for a little while, companies will have to fall in line. It will, you know, it's hard. You know, economically, it would be hard to do anything else. That, I'm not, I'm not judging it one way or the other in terms of the decisions that were made. But then, what, what reaction do you get? And you get some reactions from your investors, as you did in this case. Not sure exactly what that means from from Aviva and, and from the others. But certainly it does, it does have an impact on, on society, and it makes it more, more likely that, uh, more difficult to draw people to come to Hong Kong, frankly. And when I'm talking about executives, I'm talking about uh, people in NGOs and so on. And, you know, you mentioned shifting headquarters. I think that would, that would find a, a, a real effort in trying to get support for that, among, not only among shareholders, but employees and others. Why? This is the last moment to come to Hong Kong. Hong Kong. Why would it and I be? Hope I hope they're wrong, but I hope they're I, they're they're worried about Hong Kong. You know, I just was just sat in a, a seminar uh, with a Asia specialist who used to work for the U.S. government in the previous administration, and he sees the next ten years as being a gradual decline of Hong Kong. I hope that's wrong. Of course, it's been said many times before in the last hundred eighty years, and it's it's always been wrong. But that's a perception for a lot of people now. That's ironic, isn't it, that an American would say that about Hong Kong at this particular moment? Well, a lot of Hong Kongers are saying it. I was, I was sitting in a, in a dim sum restaurant about five days ago, and three of the tables were talking about, about leaving Hong Kong. So now, fear. Really will this or is, not, this but, is the fear, isn't it? And just middle class people. Who knows who they are? This is the fear contagion factor, isn't it? It, it is. It's, I mean, it's disquiet. And again, it may be wrong, and certainly we've seen this happen before, and, you know, and in, in 1996, 1997, uh, during the Asian financial crisis, other times as well. And so, you know, we, we don't know exactly what's going to happen, but you can understand why people are a little upset or a little, little uneasy. People are very frightened of change, aren't they? Well, they are. Uh, well, the <clears throat> well, Anna, do you see this as just merely change, or do you, uh, that, that Hong Kong will just weather this like the other cycles, or do you see... Uh, do you see a permanent and uh, hazardous shift here? I don't have a crystal ball, but change is inevitable and fear seems to go with it. So, you know, I remember a similar atmosphere in 95, 96, and the, the people who had staying power stayed and the people who were, um, you know, the lightweights left. It's, 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 it's kind of a time of opportunity in any crisis, isn't it? If you see it that way, or you can run away. I wouldn't call them lightweights. Some people that left, you know, had had real, you know, had had real real uh, disquiet. I mean, they really were concerned. They may have been wrong, and maybe in some cases they were, but you could probably understand why they were. 
Uh, okay, some uh, emails. Uh, first of all, this is from Kenny, uh, who says uh, US Secretary of State Mike Pompeo was chided HSBC for supporting the National Security Bill, an example of what he calls corporate kowtowing to Beijing. Does Pompeo have a point? Probably. But, once again, his criticism is yet another example of the hypocrisy that's become par for the course for the current US administration, an administration which threatens action against Twitter and other social media platforms hours after its fact-checked and then warned about Trump's tweets, an administration which prevented Amazon, whose boss Jeff Bezos has a long history of discord with Trump, from winning a $10 billion cloud computing contract with the US Department of Defence. Does Pompeo think that companies which criticise Trump stand a better chance of being awarded government contracts, or whether a foreign investment bank or multinational would secure business from the governments of Singapore, Brazil, Thailand, Malaysia, Philippines, India, to name a few examples, if they made critical comments about government policy. Unlikely. Like it or not, currying favour while, currently av- uh, while concurrently avoiding conflict with governments in power has been the modus operandi in the business world for time immemorial. In this respect, Hong Kong is no different from Pompeo's USA. That comes from Kenny. Do you agree with that, uh, Mark Michelson? It's hard to disagree with the basic approach, maybe going a little bit too far in terms of trying to support it. But but certainly that isn't particularly helpful. But at the moment, uh, you know, in in the U.S. and and I think probably in the U.K., uh, it's very hard to gain any favor if you show support for for China or even Hong Kong at this point. It's very unfortunate. But it's the first time in my memory that that's been the case. There's just no upside for a measured approach to the situation, which is what we really need in so many, many different areas, because obviously there's so many benefits for us to cooperate, not only with Hong Kong, but with various aspects of China, while still still maintaining, you know, criticism, disagreement on, on some other issues. But it's gone way over on the other side now. And I want to emphasize that, um, you know, these two banks were asked to publicly endorse a national security act that has not yet uh, been released. Yeah. yeah. So, let's let's emphasize that. That I want to emphasize that because no one has seen the draft, no one has seen the wording. So to be fair, we don't know what it is, but we don't know what it is and what it contains, the spirit and the letter. However, um, these are major organizations that uh, that are not uh, accustomed to and that actually cannot uh, enter into these kind of uh, agreements or endorsements without transparency and yet they they have they have had to which sets uh, a very uh, dangerous precedent for banks and talking to people in compliance and corporate legal counsel it, it has sent ripples throughout the global banking market because uh, what is next yeah it's just it's it's just quite different than what we're used to in Hong Kong. I mean, other places have done this, obviously, but um, this hasn't happened much, if at all, in Hong Kong in the past. And that, of course, what makes people a bit uh, worried as well. What's happened in other places that's sort of comparable? Then you think? Well, I mean, there are obviously there are other countries in the world where you're required to do things similar to this, or, or you know, like, from time like to time. Like what? Well. In, you know, in, in some socialist countries and, you know, authoritarian regimes and so on. And so, you know, that, that would worry people because Hong Kong operated, you know, quite, quite openly and, and you know, relatively, uh, not completely freely, but, but you know, to, to a great extent in many ways. We always enjoyed most of the rights and privileges associated with a, with a democracy without ever being, you know, a full democracy. I think 
people uh, people got used to. <clears throat> but Mark, the big difference is that you're talking about the second largest economy in the world. Yeah. Not a small African country. And to uh, kind of dovetail back to Anna's question. No, no, absolutely. And even the U.S. So when they uh, Im when they enacted a Patriot Act, that was that draft was sent around uh, f before its enactment. So a, a lot of uh, a lot of institutions had had time to examine it. And to kind of dovetail back to Anna's earlier question about moral culpability of banks, having had to face the, those decisions. Uh, when I was at the World Bank, uh, sometimes you have to deal with a bloodthirsty African dictator and lend them money, because to not do so causes causes massive uh, starvation and poverty yeah, through the rest of the population. These are tough choices that have to be made by people actually sitting in a chair, and it's uh, all too easy to 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 lay up high moral standards, but. Uh, when uh, when you are on the ground like I have been and seen refugee camps and and seen uh, massive massive poverty, uh, compromises and decisions have to be made. Okay, uh, interesting email from uh, Arf, uh echoing what you were saying, Mark Michelson. It used to be a condition of service for MNCs, multinational companies operating in China, to love the country and be seen to love the country. Now the imperative is a jump to Hong Kong, reflecting the one country idea. CCP doctrine from CY Lung here is not new, but the difference is now overt and sinister, creating a climate of fear. And what does it say about the integrity of CY Lung when he openly issues extortion or blackmail-like threats and nobody condemns or Investigates. We know CY's background and affiliations, but we don't need our so-called leaders acting like mafia here. That comes, as I say, from R. Oh, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Mark Michelson, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us. Chairman Asia CEO Forum at IMA Asia. It doesn't get easier to say that, but uh, Mark, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us. We're going to continue the discussion uh, after the news at nine. Do drop us a line. Backchat at rthk.hk is our email address, or, or even better, give us a call. And our telephone number is two. 233 We look forward to hearing from you. The weather now before the news at 9. It's going to be mainly fine and hot with a couple of isolated showers this morning. Temperatures up to 32 degrees. The outlook mainly fine, very hot in the next couple of days. The weather, though, getting worse with showers on Sunday and Monday. 29 degrees at the moment. Relative humidity is 81%. And nine countries to increase the tax bills of what are largely American companies. That is likely to lead to new tariffs as part of a trade war, something which Mr. Gurria said was the last thing the world needed as coronavirus batters the global economy. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is uh, Backchat on a Thursday morning with Anna Fenton and me, Hugh Tiverton. We're talking about uh, uh, the case of uh, HSBC uh, and uh, uh, the regulators. Um, should international businesses here brace for increased political risks, as the front page story in the South China Morning Post uh, suggests today? Uh, we have with us Peter Guy, who's a financial columnist uh, with that newspaper and editor of Regulation Asia. We're also joined now by Calvin Lamb, a former economist 
based of an investment bank and uh, now a district councillor in South Horizons West. You can uh, join in by emailing bankchat at rthk.hk, by calling us on 233-88266 or by commenting on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3, where TC says this is another slap in the face for anyone suffering from the Ivana Wong syndrome. This Hong Kong singer infamously claimed to be tiresome of politics. You can try not to touch politics, but politics can always touch you. Anywhere in the world, let alone Hong Kong, is it possible for one to stay apolitical on anything? This incident is also a rebuke on the critics of the yellow economy on the grounds that it politicises businesses. Making HSBC take a stance on a political issue is definitely a politicising a business. HSBC should adopt a new slogan. Instead of the world's local bank, it should be called the Drug Cartel and Communist Party's local bank. Those who watch Netflix's Dirty Money docuseries will know what I'm talking about. To those businesses who wish to enter China or the Hong Kong market, this is the price you have to pay to play ball. As CPPCC Vice Chairman, a national leader, I'm not sure if CY Leung can make threats like he made those like those he made to HSBC. This may contravene some international trade rules. And uh, Jay says, why is Hong Kong letting CY Leung de- try to destroy the banking system? He already destroyed Hong Kong when he was in power. Two blanks complained to the SFC about jobs being blackmailed, so therefore surely this is a matter for the ICAC, especially if staff have been blackmailed over their jobs, political or non-political. The ICAC need to get to the bottom of this and find out who is interfering or has the ICACA been nobbled too? This is uh, H Hong Kong 2 Systems. Uh, Henry says, Dear Backchat, it's a slippery slope. Uh, Ernst & Young, as was then, used to have, that's EY, used to have a political commissar in its Beijing office years back. When will this oversight cross the border? The noose is tightening. That's from uh, Henry. Uh, and uh, Richard, uh, this is another Richard, I think, said, I think Ping An Insurance is HSBC's largest shareholder, not Aviva. If there was a shareholder vote, I guess they would probably move to Hong Kong. That comes uh, from Richard, backchat.hk.hk. HK uh, is our email address with well, some other emails which we'll, we'll get to in a moment. Uh, Calvin Lamb, good morning to you. Good morning, everyone. What's your reading of this situation? Do you think uh, uh, do you think HSBC had any choice? I I personally think that um, it's totally understandable that the bank does it simply because um, you know China has got a huge market and it's lucrative, and the bank is trying to make the most out of it, and. Um, the capitalist reaction function, particularly for businesses, is profit maximizing only. Uh, so I understand why they took the step. Um, but in reality is that, you know, there are social responsibilities um, for companies operating in Hong Kong as well. So you're saying the, the need to make profits overrides any kind of moral consideration? For Businesses-wise, um, this is what um, the, the mandates because they need to maximise shareholders' values. Not that I agree with that completely. What the HBC and other private companies have been doing. Well, what about the fact that this was, um, uh, as Peter Guy was saying, a, a blank check? This was a commitment to support the national security legislation, and we don't really we have very little idea what's in this national security legislation. Um, I think I think what, uh, what what he said is correct. Is that you know people are making decision uh, without knowing the details is rather shocking, um, and in particular, I think um, um, you know uh, it is rather surprising that um, 
there's someone in the private sector who's willing to go against Beijing. Um, I mean, I meant Aviva investors. Um, I totally agree with what um, David Cumming has said about HBC, that if companies make political statements, that you know they must also accept corporate social responsibilities that follow. I think it's only fair that if companies um, that have kowtowed to Beijing also speak publicly uh, if there is any future abuses of de democratic freedoms. And that you know, they've got to face the wrath of Trump. America's going to be annoyed if you pick sides, because that's what it comes down to, isn't it? Beijing is saying... You've got, to, you've got to put your name down for us. And that applies not just to companies, as you know, but, of course, to all kinds of you know, institutions. Well, you know, we have... U a universities, artists, whatever. You've got, to, you've got to sign up with this. You're with us or you're against You know, if you see the it. bigger picture, you know there's a, a Cold War looming between mm -hmm. the US and China. And you've got to pick a side. And you have to pick a side. They feel, you know, there's a... Uh, Beijing believes there's an insurrection going on here. You know, locals even believe there's a revolution going on. Well, in those cases, you have to, you are forced to pick a side, uh, whether you like it or not. So back to that question about Citibank, what are they going to do? Well, they're going to continue uh, doing their business here, expanding into China. I believe they they are, are one of the major American banks who have uh, a domestic license to continue business in China. I, when you ask what are they going to do, they have not been asked to pledge, uh, to pledge endorsement or loyalty to this uh, National Security Act. Yet, yet. Well, they have not been. Maybe you say, you say by saying yet, you're implying... You're playing that that's coming. Well, why would but you it have not no, be? But you have no proof that it's, uh, that it's coming. But why would it not be? Because to expand this beyond your major local banks, foreign banks, HSBC and Stanchart, is, uh, is, is, a, is a high risk move for, uh, for Beijing. Well, they're in the same boat as HSBC, aren't they? Their, their customers are in Asia, their business growth is in Asia, so surely when in Rome do as the Romans do. No, you're incorrect. Citibank's business is uh, very much, and JP Morgan and all of them, very much uh, domestic, uh, domestic U.S. deposits, domestic U.S. lending is a big part of their business. Although we, they talk about the importance of the China market, they have yet to fully open their operations there. So revenue-wise, it's, it's, it's not a major part of their business yet. Nonetheless, they, they comply to all uh, local laws and jurisdictions that they operate in, uh, including Hong Kong. So right now, they have not been, they have not been uh, asked to take this step. And, uh, and uh, as a matter of compliance, uh, they have no comment to make on that. But why would they not be asked? Why would you single them out not to be asked? Because of their, uh, because they are American banks. You would have a, you would have a major complaint going from U.S. Treasury, probably even to, to State Department, and to ask that many important, systemically influential, important financial institutions, to to take that step, is. Uh, is highly risky. So you're saying that they're frightened of America, but not of Britain? Well, you said it. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you said it. It's this. It's this. As I go back to the point, HSBC and Stanchart historically are the last of your transnational banks. That is, they are like a they are like a, sh a ship that sails all over the place into many different ports. They're not affiliated, uh, and they're not. 
They're not belonging to any one country. The American banks are American banks. But HSBC is a British bank domiciled in London. Yes, with most of their business in, in not just China, but concentrated in Hong Kong. It's a, it's a situation that, that other major banks do not face. So, and also, the American banks are, as I've repeated, heavily regulated by the U.S. government. And the U.S. government is their last lender. That's the trade-off they have to make to be uh, an American bank. HSBC and Standard Chartered have historical roots that make them a bank that's regulated in a number of places or nowhere as it chooses. So, so tell me this then. Why was Hang Seng Bank not asked to do this? Well, actually, they're, uh, they're owned by HSBC, <laughs> so they're probably covered un- under that. Uh, but, you know, to get back to the, this important character that HSBC, you know, has a history of being a, tran- a transnational bank, and now it's being finally being brought back to its true roots. You could see this. this I mean, that was CY's bringing point, it back, it? Bringing it back to its true roots. That's right. This is, this is actually, after, since financial crisis, all the restructuring that HSBC management has talked about, its globalization and its expansion, in the end, it cannot escape from the fact that most of its revenue and profits are from Hong Kong and Asia Pacific. That was CY Lang's point, wasn't it? That it's really a you should recognize, be recognized as a Hong Kong bank or as a Chinese bank. Yes, that was his point, uh, and, and, it, and uh, um, an observant one. However, he did, he did, uh, he did also say that, uh, that uh, uh, HSBC should be, uh, and Standard Chartered should have the privilege of being uh, a clearing bank or Hong Kong's de facto bank, stripped away from it. However, that's, that's not necessarily a monopoly, like a taxi monopoly in Hong Kong. That's quite, a, that's quite a heavy responsibility to be Hong Kong's de facto central bank, clearing bank. So any suggestion uh, that that will change, again, will cause uh, you know, ripples of uncertainty in the financial market because it affects, uh, it affects the operation of the peg. Mm. So, you know, there are, there, he does make, Siwai Leung does make uh, some, some very, very direct, uh, insightful points there. However, I think uh, to, to suggest there will be a change in who, are the, who, who is acting as a clearing bank here uh, is, is, uh, actually, uh, is actually quite hazardous. Kevin Lam, is this is this you know comparable to this as TC on was suggesting on Facebook to the um, the yellow shops and the yellow cafes? Is it just that kind of writ large? You've got to choose your well the uh, the, your the yellow economy and the yellow shops. Um, I, I think that it is important for um, um, for for the yellow economy to build up really um, because the Chinese has been doing exactly the same thing uh, in Hong Kong the red economy circle for a long time and basically people are building the yellow economy circle economic circle simply uh, to counter that and um, and if um, can it can it ever be significant can it ever be more than a few I l- think so shops and um, because 
Because, um, I mean, Hong Kong is at the forefront of ideology battle between the two uh, big blocs, and um, everything starts here, really. So if Hong Kong starts from the you know, very, very low level of uh, restaurants and cafes, etc., um, and um, if the US and other f- uh, liberal, uh, the liberal world is um, using other tactics of countering it, like weaponizing finance, going up via the food chain a little bit, then uh, the the economy, the yellow economy, could gain uh, a, a threshold or uh, a substantial. Will, will, size. will it be allowed? Because the you know the government in Hong Kong is traditionally kind of trying to stay out of this kind of issue, hasn't it? And st- stood aside from these battles. But now, yeah, as we've been hearing, it's are you with us or against us? Does that mean that you know they're going to start? We won't have a yellow economy. It'll be against the law. It'll be against national security legislation or something. Um, I, don't th- I don't think so. I think um, Hong Kong is still a free market. Um, it, was, it will still be um, a free market economically. And people do um, have the free choice of their consumer be- consuming behaviour. Um, and I think that um, they can choose what to do. And they can choose to support cafes that support um, the democratic movement. I think it's perfectly fine. Um, and they can choose the bank that supports um, um, the, uh, the democratic movement in Hong Kong or the liberal world values. Um, so I think that There's no bank in Hong Kong that supports I mean, the democratic movement. I mean, the, you never know in the future, right, if Aviva is doing that at the moment. Um, if, if the US is to weaponize finance that way, um, that's, you know, um, going up the food chain, um, maybe in the future the, the, the business circle is going to be changed. It's just that there's no uh, concerted actions by the, by the free world at the moment um, to, um, to, to control that part of the, um, of the funding. Okay. Of, uh, the some, some emails. All right. LK says a question for Peter Guy. Can HSBC refuse to lend to CCP companies now? Do political relationships now count for more than credit worthiness? How about anti money laundering? If the bank suspects that a CCP linked company has breached anti uh, money laundering regulations, should it file a suspicious transaction report or keep quiet? Comes from LK. The. Uh the writer makes a good point uh, because, as I said earlier, people will be asking, then, if HSBC and Stan Chart have to endorse a blank check legislation without seeing it, then what, what comes next? And what he just said could come next, that you have decisions that, uh, that are not made on a commercial basis, increasingly, increasingly plaguing the, uh, the, the bank. That's a very that's a very real risk, mm. and you know what we're seeing now is um, a kind of an awakening point for Hong Kong in that you know we've been a, the city and its elite have been unable to pass such a law because they they don't understand the importance of a national security. You know, money was the only security in Hong Kong, and Hong Kong was all about money. But what we're learning now is uh, is a historical lesson that uh, money isn't power; belief is power. And history shows uh, he who is most committed wins. And uh, is that you, true? Is that true, though? Very true. You can see that either. You can see that in the Middle East. You can see that throughout the history of Europe. And in China's case, they are committed to they are committed to restoring their version, their idea of stability and security to Hong Kong. And and now we are we are going to have to deal with that because we were un- unable to deal with it ourselves over the last 23 years power doesn't grow from the barrel of a gun 
uh, you're saying it does or it doesn't? Uh, I'm saying some famous people and <laughs> influential people thought it did. Uh, historically, it has, but can you maintain mm. stability uh, uh, by that? You know, ch- this isn't mm. coming from the barrel of uh, China's gun. They are exercising their uh, their obligation to uh, to ensure national security in their in their country, and we're part we're part of that country. And I think that that is a point that's lost uh, in the in the in this debate. Of course, you could argue about what national security means uh, in different places. Of course, that's a whole different uh, yeah. radio show. All right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll have plenty of time for that uh, if we're allowed to uh, on other occasions. All right, Martin in an email says, the priority of the new national security law will be to take out secessionists, seditionists, terrorists, and anyone who is deemed to be a threat to national security, just like in other Western countries. This will also send many of the foreign instigators and their supporters packing. This doesn't mean Hong Kong won't continue to be a good place to do business. Any doubts should have been raised by the flood of money that poured into the city over the past week, forcing the uh, monetary authority to intervene in order to keep the peg secure. The risk on which being flicked in global markets. Now that the coronavirus looks to be subsiding and economies are reopening from lockdowns, funds are chasing better returns in emerging markets. Some of the best are undoubtedly to be found here. In the meantime, companies and commentators might wax lyrical about the need for supporting the national security law, impartial judges and a free press, but these concerns will always be weighed against the potential for return on investment. The uh, China and Hong Kong will continue to offer unbeatable ROI for the foreseeable future and impartial judges and a free press will still be here just not operating at quite the same levels of trust they were before predictions from imminent brain drain judging by the past experience will turn out false as usual if three million hong kongers really do take up boris johnson's offer of a place in the cold wet and racist united kingdom there will be more than enough replacements lined up at the shenzhen border within hours of their departure that comes from martin uh, uh let's see uh Uh, Ben says, uh, one of your guests says people have fear feeling like 95 to 96. Uh, Another guest comments people's feelings may be wrong. That's nonsense. People's feelings are real and not scientific calculation. Fear feelings come from a lack of transparency from mainland China and lack of trust between Hong Kong people and the central government. That comes uh, from Ben. Anthony says, will the yellow economy people accept any financial support from the communist Hong Kong government? Uh, Jay says, did we ever get to the bottom of was CY Lung's wine cellar illegal or legal or was it hushed up? I think it was not CY Lung's wine cellar. It was his cellar. wife, wasn't it? Her wine cellar in the end. Was it a wine cellar? We we getting mixed up. Oh, with... CY Lung. Ah, yeah. yeah, that was the one on the peak, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, there was something... wine cellar. Wine uh, cellar was Henry Tang. Exactly, yeah. Uh, okay, uh, Alan says, you read out letters saying the US is being hypocritical to complain about China pressuring HSBC, as Trump is, for example, bitterly critical of Twitter for dissing him. Uh, but the difference is that Trump can loudly bitch and moan about companies, but the government cannot punish them. Nothing has happened to Twitter or is likely to. They are protected by an independent judiciary. Trump has hated Bezos, for example, for years because of the critical coverage of the Washington Post, which he owns. Yet his Amazon is unimpeded, no matter how much Trump rants. But we know that when you offend the CCP, you will indeed be punished. You will be boycotted by one and all, and your staff harassed and prosecuted. For example, Next Media. That comes uh, from uh, Alan. 
Uh, and uh, Mike says, uh, if Citibank here in Hong Kong is a US bank, why can't I have an account in Hong Kong linked to an account in USA? I'm told they're different banks, so I can have a New York and Los Angeles joined accounts, but not USA, Hong Kong joined accounts. Could one explain the inconsistency? That's exactly what will happen to you if you go to HSBC and want to have connections between your Malaysia account or your London account. They'll say, oh, we have no connection with that bank. Okay. Uh, Anthony said, when MI6 set up their National Security Intelligence Unit in Hong Kong, did it trigger a large number of companies leaving Hong Kong? Don't forget how the governor's led security committee persecute communists in Hong Kong before the handover in 1997. That's uh, from uh, Anthony. And uh, One more comment from Mike on the hourly news, uh, referring to a British uh, expert uh, on COVID. Neil Ferguson is one of the most unreliable sources of information. His predictions have been so far off it's laughable, and yet RTHK continues to quote him as an expert that we should pay attention to. Could RTHK begin to vet what it reads from its sources? US mainstream media are reliable 50% of the time. That comes, as I say, from uh, Mike. Thank you very much indeed for, for those comments. Uh, once again, backchat at RTHK. Dot HK. Uh, 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 Calvin Lamb, do you expect to see more of this? Do you think this is going to escalate or do you think this is, this is the end of the matter, really? Um, I think this is only going to get worse um, because uh, what the Chinese has been doing is try to... Um always utilizes sharp power in some way that you know to to use this huge lucrative domestic market political leverage to go against any companies that um, may have a different uh, political opinion to Beijing and that is one of the ways for them to gain complete control of the jurisdiction as you know that Beijing is very much of a control freak um, in that respect and from there they want to find a way to gain control of the political situation in Hong Kong and um, the business community is so important to Hong Kong because um, to, to, uh, to to Beijing because um, it, it controls the the um, uh, the economic uh, uh, and also the uh, uh, the funding for uh, uh, the taxation side of uh, the SAR and that way um, and also controlling the uh, the job markets in Hong Kong as well. Um, if they can exert their own force that way and try to influence how people think locally and they think that that, that, that will try to stabilise the situation by controlling how people react and whether they're supporting the, the movement, uh, the protests, etc. And that, that, that remains to be uh, one of the ways that the, uh, the communist government... Of course, they've do. got lots of carrots as well, haven't they? There's um, plenty of money that, you know, the... the uh the government can throw around? Yes, I mean, um, Cathay uh, is one yeah. of the things. <laughs> the, yeah, um, we can decapitate your management or, uh, and or give you a $30 billion. Yeah. Um, is, um, is taxpayers' money that way? I think it's rather... I don't know. I mean, in the, on one hand, uh, the government is, is right that, you know, um, the, uh, 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 to, to support uh, CAFE in that way because uh, it actually um, uh, acts as a very important uh, jigsaw in, in Hong Kong's um, uh, role in the aviation industry and it remains to be a hub here if CAFE is to stay. Um, and also it supports jobs in Hong Kong that way. But as you said, that you know they're using taxpayer money, and well, also you know. Well, whoa, whoa, whoa! Swire is a big investor in it too. It is, um, but you never know what the um, 
I mean, how much of the, uh, the, the shareholding uh, is going to fall eventually? If Cathay is going to be in trouble in, after 13 months, um, they, they deplete uh, the, 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 the coffers money, then they will have to ask for government for more money. Where's um, the evidence that they'll need to do that? Their cargo business has never been as good as it is now, and that's 50% of their business. But you never know when the COVID-19 vaccine is going to come in as well. I mean, there's so much uncertainty out there. Um, if the aviation industry and people are a little bit afraid of travelling um, because the COVID is still going on, then, then, then it, there's potential that uh, businesses might suffer after 13 months as well. Anna makes a good point. Uh, Cathay's cargo business is, is very lucrative, very profitable because of its uh, position out of Hong Kong. The drag on the business is, of course... Um, passenger so uh, their passenger business which they can't cut off they have to continue running that that's part that's part of their commitment to the to the to the city um, I think the Swar family has committed five billion dollars Hong Kong uh, to the rights issue so you know they have made they have to be fair they have made a serious commitment to this to this uh, to this turnaround. Do, do you think that uh, Beijing is, is going to make a financial commitment to um, propping up Hong Kong or doing what it can to assist Hong Kong financially? Um, it would be embarrassing for anything if it was otherwise. Um, I, I think that, um, I mean, whether it's, 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 um, the money is given by the Hong Kong government or the Beijing government, um, the, the ultimate motives, um, I mean, the ultimate uh, 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 people who decide on that will, will still be Beijing, I think. I mean, uh, the, 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 the percentage that um, the, the, the Hong Kong government um, the, uh, have injected into Cathay uh, business could potentially be sold to, 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 uh, to Air China afterwards. But so we understand there's a lot of money coming south, and the the the, the market H, uh, Hang Seng was been pretty healthy um, um, because of money coming into Hong Kong from from the mainland. Um, is is that does that reflect a government initiative, a Beijing initiative? Peter Guy, do you know about that? I think Beijing's overarching priority for both the National Security Act and also for uh, Hong Kong's economy is to ensure that the uh, financial market of Hong Kong remains healthy. Mm. It's its only window to the outside world, and two, it's a source is of... Is that a yes? Are they pumping money into Hong Kong? Probably, yes. And But a lot of that money comes through the comes through uh the 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 stock the stock uh, um uh, uh what uh, the stock pathway the two way pathway they have for funds to uh to to easily invest in in china and and to hong kong but uh, as i said the overriding issue is that this place has to remain a premier asian financial center and 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 china's gateway whether or not it's, it'll be the gateway forever is another matter, but a, a, a key and open gateway for uh, for finance, and uh, that that is not that hard to maintain because talking to people at major banks, tech, the technical people, the legal people, uh, if expats are unhappy to move their families here for whatever reason, you know, banks can maintain a legal shell here in which to do business. To process court cases and all the instruments that they issue, 
while maintaining a lot of back office in, let's say, Singapore or any other place where your key, your key executives want to, want to house their families. So the whole idea about concept of financial center is not so as much physical as, as it is, as it, as it is uh, uh, almost uh, technical. Mm-hmm. But it is, but it is a matter of perception too, because this uh, a financial center is not just dollar dollars and cents and stocks and listings. It's the uh, it's the perception and the image that uh, that you can operate uh, freely and uh, under rule of law here. Mm. Okay, uh, we've had uh, uh, one more email. This is from Ron. He says uh, HSBC. Uh, this is a quote from BBC News, quote, uh, sorry, HSBC, quote, respects and supports all laws that stabilise Hong Kong's social order, unquote, it said in a social media in China, on post on social media in China. And uh, also a quote from the BBC News, Standard Chartered also has a strong presence in Asia, quote, we believe the national security law can help maintain the long-term economic and social stability of Hong Kong, it said in a statement. Ron says, are these statements blank check endorsements of the national security laws? Peter Guy, was it? Is that really a blank check? Well, they're just general sweeping statements. I mean, any any organization or person will endorse stability in a society. Does that mean I endorse traffic fines? Probably, but um, I, I would say also that the the chief executive was signed the petition and was photographed and and was publicised through HSBC social media signing the petition, uh, the petition which expresses full support for the correct decision on establishing and improving at the state level the legal system and enforcement mechanism for the SAR. So I think that's the petition. So is is that a blank check? Maybe it's a bit blanker. Uh, thank you very much, anyway, for your for your uh, e- emails and uh, comments. Uh, and thank you to uh, Peter Guy, South China Morning Post financial economist, editor of Regulation Asia, and Calvin Lam, former economist of an investment bank and district councillor in South Horizons West. Thank you both very much indeed for joining us this morning. We'll be back at uh, 8.30 tomorrow. going to be talking about uh, the uh, elections, uh, now scheduled for I think, September the 6th. Uh, Anna, many thanks to you. Here's the weather before we go. Many fine and hot, apart from some isolated showers in the morning. Temperatures during the day about 32 degrees uh, and the weather will deteriorate with showers on Sunday and Monday. Uh, 30 degrees at the moment. Relative humidity is at 76%. To prevent the spread of COVID-19, try flexible working hours and staggered meal breaks. Wear a mask on public transport. Avoid crowded lifts. Try not to hold large meetings and reduce face-to-face contact with colleagues. Avoid meal gatherings. Stay away from crowds after work. Wash hands frequently and keep the workplace clean. If you feel unwell, stay away from work and see your doctor. Visit coronavirus.gov.hk for details. 9.34, the news now with Samantha Butler. President Trump is resisting increasing calls to remove pro-slavery Confederate names and symbols in response to the anti-racism movement triggered by the police killing of George Floyd. He said 10 army bases named after officers who fought for the Confederacy during the Civil War would keep their designation because they were part of America's heritage. The head of America's central bank, the Federal Reserve, says the economy faces a long road to recovery from the coronavirus. Jerome Powell said the Fed would continue with measures such as holding down interest rates and quantitative easing or buying assets to increase cash flow in the economy.